Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows. Welcome to the Press Pack from Wolves Radio. This is where we get insight from those who follow Wolves from the press room and more at Molly. On this episode, I'm joined by the Expression Stars Nathan Tudor and the Athletics Tim Spears. And we start with Nathan Tudor's assessment of the first couple of months under Julian Lopetegui. I think he's been fantastic, really. Look, I understand that results, especially after Sunday, people are a little bit frustrated and results around them didn't help. But end of the day, when you get a manager in who's coming on December, had his first game in Boxing Day, Wolves rock bottom of the Premier League. And you look at the, the league table today, I know it's tightly bunched as we speak, but 13th in the table, results speak for themselves. The table speaks for itself. It's an incredible job. And I don't think, I think if you've been given that, on December the 26th, that they'd be 13th on what day are we today? I think everybody would have taken it. So, look, he's done a great job. He's obviously been backed in the transfer market, which is huge. And, you know, you can look at maybe previous managers and whether the, you can argue whether they've been backed to the same extent. But end of the day, Wolves have got one of the best managers or top manager in European football here. And you can tell by his mannerisms, his demeanour, the respect in and around the club that he's got. And he's produced some absolutely massive results. I mean, you know, you look at, I'm sure we'll go on to it at at some point, but the Southampton masterclass with 10 men, you know, that Everton game, grit and determination, and the substitutes that he's using and the quality of signings that he's brought in, I think has set Wolves up, should and if, and hopefully they get through and and they survive in the Premier League this season for for a really good second season and a full season in charge but from what he's done in such a short space of time I think has been has been close to remarkable really. Tim what was your assessment of him I mean you were there obviously for the Spurs game but you're also there for the Fulham game away from home and your your view is quite interesting to me because obviously you know Wolves inside out and you know what it's been like and then getting the chance to to listen to Lopetegui as you did on those matches what was your assessment? comes across as a, as a proper manager, doesn't he, really? Um, I mean, it's a mark of the power of the Premier League that Wolves and Villa have managed to sign two of the, you know, most sort of competent and um, proven managers at a certain level, you know, in European football. And well, clearly it was what Wolves needed. They needed a good January. They probably had the best January in the Premier League. Doesn't guarantee survival which I'm still slightly concerned about you know mostly mostly due to the striker issue uh, or ju- just the fact that they have a lack of a regular goal scorer to get them out of trouble in certain games that's what concerns me but um, having not really watched Wolves a huge amount since Christmas for a variety of reasons I went to the Fulham game um, to cover my colleague Steve Madeley and I was honestly blown away by like by the brand of football I was watching in the, in the first half in particular it was it was, it was very refreshing um you know we i think we kind of get obsessed in the media a little bit and fans on social media with this this line between like attacking and defensive managers and nuno was hammered for being defensive and i see it at spurs conte's hammered for being defensive it's not it's not defensive it's for me it's it's you're either front foot or back foot and wolves tend to be a back foot um reactive team under nuno and I see it at Spurs every week. They're back foot. Wolves are front foot now in Lopetegui, and that's 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 something we've not really seen um, a huge amount in the past. And it looks great. It looks really good. They look stylish, and his substitutions are proactive as well. Um, I was 
sorry, go on. You're going to interrupt. Well, me no, I, I just wanted to make the point that I think, uh, you know, in in somewhat defense of Nuno, I've always been of the view that Nuno's team um, were very counter-attacking. And I, I take the point about, you know, necessarily sometimes that is inviting pressure onto you, but sometimes it felt like that was for a specific purpose because he knew that he had Adama Traore and Diogo Jota and those type of players to to get Wolves down the field. And and I always point to the fact that that season in Europe when they were playing Thursday, Sunday, and they had to, you know, they had to play in a certain way. I, I definitely agree with the point, and maybe Nathan will, that Bruno's team was very much trying to control the game in a very different way. It was control it with the ball, which actually didn't feel that entertaining to me in the end mm-hmm. because never really got anywhere with it. Whereas now it feels like we've maybe taken a step backwards towards more of what Nuno did, but Tim's maybe right in terms of the pressing and stuff. That's that's different, and therefore there is more front foot stuff. I, I, it, my view is just there's a balance. I don't know what you guys think. I think what Tim alludes to it very well is that I think his substitutions have been key as well in games. And look, it's not always going to come off, but he's obviously been given a squad of which he's brought players in that he wanted to. He's very happy with some of the world-class players that they've got, but there's also players in that squad, and we'll see it this summer, I'm sure we will, where they're not Lopetegui-type players. So he's got to manage that squad from bottom of the Premier League, survival, and make sure that he uses them to the best of his ability. Now, I think there are elements, and there were certain, especially with the Spurs victory, where it was almost very much back to a Nuno display. You know, it, it, there were certain elements of that that I thought was almost peak Nuno. But it seems to me that a lot of the games, especially a lot of the closer games, he's almost looking to keep it close. And Tim said again, the issues with strikers and, and with not scoring enough goals, but to keep it as close as he can for 60 minutes. And if they're winning, great. And if they're level, fine. And then you impact the game in that last half an hour with the substitutes and the plays that he's got and try and win it there or get a point there because they're, they're averaging a point a game at the moment. Probably a point of the game, you could argue, would probably be enough to keep Wolves up. Now, you want more than that. But if he can keep it tight and, and really dictate the way that this game is going to go from week to week to week, I think they're going to be fine because um, he's got that. He's got that nous and he knows exactly. He can read games very, very well. And look, like you say, he's going to get it wrong from time to time. But overall, I've been very, very impressed. And that's why I think they're going to be okay. The exciting thing for me, sort of looking at the bigger picture, is that this has got, you know, I think, I think, and I wasn't, certainly wasn't criticising Nuno at all earlier. You know, it's just, just a point to, to make the different styles and how Nuno wasn't, wasn't defensive, but he was, like I said, sort of back foot and, hmm and reactive but I just think Lopetegui's style has a high ceiling I think that watching Wolves finish seventh for those two seasons in a row it felt like that was the most that they could do in that style of play because they weren't dominating games with the ball they were dominating games without the ball and they they did it so well um, but if Lopetegui can, can compile and put together a squad and a team that dominates games on the front foot with the ball, then you have a much a much higher ceiling, in my opinion. Um, and he obviously knows how to handle top players. And there's obviously uh, going to be money available to spend. That's what's exciting for me. But obviously, they need to stay up first. I was surprised at like, the negativity when I came to Molyneux last week. You know, I, I guess I'm outside the bubble there. But um, I just look at Wolves and think they'll be fine. Um and maybe I've 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 forgotten what it feels like to be a Wolves fan, having reported on reported on them instead of supported them for seven years. But um, I do look at them think before, and yeah, I was bumping into all sorts of people in the corridor, um, 
before the match and everybody's just extremely nervous um, about Wolves' Premier League status. Well, um, I, I was going to ask you about this because obviously, you know, you go in different media circles to, to Nathan and I now. And, big time, um, big time. He is, yeah, big he time. is big time. But I, I didn't, I wonder... I'm not going to dispute that at all. I, <laughs> I, I wonder whether, um, whether the, the Wolves issue, whether Wolves are discussed in... in other realms what what people think of us outside of our own media bubble uh the last the last two years have really damaged walls people people aren't interested people think they're boring and um that hasn't changed yet because <clears throat> lopatigue has only been in charge for for a few months and the football is is you know still a work in progress um i think people will catch on if they stay up and make a good start next season but no walls are seen as as fairly irrelevant i would say um, you know, they were a very interesting story under Nuno in those first two seasons and people wanted to work out what was going on and how they were so successful. And, you know, you get the Mendes brush that, that they were tired with and, and whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I think that, that then, no, not seen as that relevant or interested at the moment. That There are more interesting stories in the Premier League to be told this season as far as the national media goes. I see Nathan shake, nodding his head. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you guys see that as well, even from the Wolves bubble. Yeah, that's, I mean, look, they were the... They were the, the media darlings, weren't they? When they went in from the from the championship, and then of course they carried on. No one expected them to go back to back sevenths in European football. So that kind of continued, maybe more longer than what a lot of people thought. But yeah, I mean, every season, you know, whether it was it was Leeds last season, and then you've got Forest, you know, buying eighty five different players, or you've got Brentford doing well this year, and Brighton and and Fulham, who's obviously perennial yo yo, and then they're up and around the. The European spaces. So there's always going to be a different narrative every year, and Wolves have had theirs. And it's, you know, they, they have, let's be honest, the football hasn't been good to watch over the last couple of years, really. You know, it's been pretty boring. So it's up to them and it's up to Lopetegui. And I do feel confident if and when they do survive, and, and you know, we have a bit of a, a turnover in the summer, that, that Wolves should be. We've looked at this mini league table that everybody keeps posting on social media over the last two months. You know, they're, they're top seven, top eight, top six in and around that European. Um, well, show European form under Lopetegui and there's no reason why with a good summer that Wolves will not be talked about again and look with this squad and with, with additions and maybe a, a true number nine and a goal scorer and there's all lots of ifs and buts they should be pushing towards European football next season should they stay in the league It's interesting though we, we bring up that perception of us in the last couple of years because uh, I don't know whether it's just like some kind of cynical, bitter feeling in it, but you look at the the coverage that, say, a Fulham are getting right now, and you kind of go, "Well, I don't quite remember it being as as strongly for Wolves when when Wolves did seventh back to back and FA Cup semi-finals and European quarterfinals, which surely is the standard for for any promoted team now. It doesn't feel like even now people are not going." Well, Fulham are doing what Wolves did. They're just going, mm. look at Fulham. I don't know whether that's just me being bitter and cynical from our bubble. Um, I think, no, I think at the time there was a lot of attention on Wolves. I was judging on, on how many uh, media appearances I, I, I would make on radio and TV. And there were a lot. There were a lot around that time. I was everywhere, Mikey. You couldn't get me off the air. Um, <laughs> no, just <laughs> listeners. I'm just, I'm it's just a, joking. It's a, it's astonishing is what it is. Listener, please, I'm just I'm just joking to get a rise out of Mikey and Nathan and it's worked beautifully. Uh, no, I, I, I don't feel like there's a huge amount of attention on Fulham and, and, and particularly more than there was on Wolves, really. I, f- I felt like I felt like Wolves were, were a really interesting story, but it's hard it's hard to shake off those tags when you get them, you know, and, and yeah, they are seen as boring and yeah, they're still seen as 
as a club that signs uh, Portuguese players with 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 from the same agency, those sort of preconceptions will be will be hard to shake off. But we'll we'll, we'll shouldn't care about that. They can just do their own thing. Because it's just one of those things where when you look at, um, if you do a search and obviously look through the news articles that that reference Wolves, apart from match reports, the vast majority at the moment are on um, Ruben Neves leaving. Let's be honest. There's an awful lot of articles there. Uh, the Mirror have got one recently about West Ham's interest in Ryan Giles. There's a, another story going around about PSV keen to extend Fabio Silva's loan. The, this is kind of where, well, there's not a lot of general talk about situation the the job Lopetegui's done aside from the kind of stuff that that Tim and Steve do with the athletic Nathan yeah I mean there's always going to be speculation going into the summer but you know I, I do I do think that when people look at the season and if Wolves do finish look Wolves could still finish 12th in the Premier League let's say this season you know and yeah he won't be in the manager of the year he won't be in the top five manager of the year voting but I'll be the first one to say at the end of the season, if they've survived and they finished 12th, which I, I think they still could do, to be honest. You know, they're still level on points with Crystal Palace, that he should be up there with, you know, one of the managers of the season. There's not many teams that will have be rock bottom at Christmas. OK, you know, the World Cup messed things up a little bit, so it wasn't, you know, a true reflection of being rock bottom at Christmas. But at the same, in the same breath with, with obviously Bruno not working out, and then you know we've had the interim boss, and then we come in, and then and then he's there's been a lot of upheaval, and the job that he's done so far has been excellent. Now he's got to continue that, of course he does, and he's going to be assessed on results. And I know that the fans and speak to the fans obviously regularly, they're obviously a little bit nervous. And you know when Tim said he came to the ground for the Spurs game, they were a little bit negative, but that was on the back of a Bournemouth defeat and. And, um, you know, a draw against Fulham. So you can understand why they're walking on eggshells a little bit and a little bit nervous. But I still think that he'll be absolutely fine. They've got one of the top managers and he has done a great job. And he should be talked about with a top manager with a job he's done and he won't. And and I guess, you know, Mikey, from your point of view, I do agree that they should, he should get a little bit more, you know, praise maybe externally. and in, Internally, we speak about it and we'll speak about it on camera. But um, maybe, maybe... You know, towards the end of the season, when you look at that league table, people will start realizing, "Wow, what a job they have done." Right, I I agree, but I think <clears throat> when you sort when you sort of in it and you're living it and breathing it every day and every week and every match day, <clears throat> you're like, "Oh my god, this is this is all this is awful." Bottom of the table, mm-hmm. we need we're going to need a miracle and a savior here. Whereas from an outsider's point of view, you're like, "What on earth are Wolves doing down there? Their squad is good enough to be top ten easily." Um, and Lop- and Lopetegui is 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 moving them towards there as uh, to where exa- exactly where they should be for the quality of squad. I bet you, apart from maybe Villa, any club in the bottom half of the table is swapping their squad for Wolves' squad. Mm. All all of them are, in my opinion, in terms of quality. Yeah, and, I agree. Go well, I was just going to say, covering covering Spurs and being at that Wolves Spurs game last week, I honestly think hand on heart, you put Harry Kane in that Wolves team. They will. They would be above Spurs in the table because he's so important to them that they would drop a few places because everything goes through him. And what Wolves are really lacking is 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 a focal point, a goal scorer, and someone to create. And he does all that. Honestly, think if you put him in that Wolves team and Wolves squad, they would finish above Spurs. That's how, and that's how good they are. You know, in 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 most positions, um, they're just a little bit lacking up top. But you put a top quality striker in there, and you know, watch them fly. I think there's an element whereby I, I, I take your point because there's always a team, isn't there, that people say are too good to go down and they end up going down. And 
Uh, I, I've never felt that Wolves were fully in in that kind of trouble. And I, I fully accept that we were in a difficult position pre-World Cup, but you knew that there was quality there and, and when they got the players together. The interesting point that I'd make is that we talk about Julian Lopetegui and the job he's done on the pitch and, and the work he does. And clearly I'm on record as saying that the, his ability to read a game and make subs to change it, I think really sets him as, apart as a on a higher level of coach. It's the stuff inside and the stuff people don't necessarily see. So there was a big staff meal that he organised. And we're talking all the staff from Molyneux, from Compton, everybody together to all be part of it. You know, the players were there with them having that food. And then um, the little things like uh, giving pizza out to the journalists at the press conference. And I know that he and coaching staff have spoken to journalists at matches to to say thank you for the way that they've interacted with them in their first couple of months to it. Those little finer mm-hmm. details. I mean, you know, Tim never got free pizza, let's be honest, in the, the past couple of years. He's looking at us like, what were you talking about? You got free pizza. This is ridiculous. Well, you, you, you talk about finer details. Can I ask what the toppings were? Because that's pretty important. Pepperoni. Good. Margarita. Mm. Standard. And And this is debatable. Pineapple. Yeah. No. Pineapple and peppers. <laughs> no. 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 That's pretty antagonistic, really. Putting pineapple on a, on a pizza. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't talk about food now. The way that he's at Spurs every other week. I mean, goodness me, that's an absolute gastronomic delight. You'd love it, though, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. Love to be oh, there. it's incredible. We're, we're not going to get into the uh, top twenty list or whatever it is. His chart of. Uh, favorite meals that he gets fed for free and we'll leave that to the express and star podcast um but it's the point i'm making is you know this is a guy clearly this is a club clearly that are thinking about things on a bigger scale and that can only be a better thing clearly from covid felt like maybe we got away from what this football club is and and maybe we're going back there now it's it's, it's structure mikey it's joined up thinking and yeah there have been some there have been some you know Growing pains for about three years now, on on and off the pitch. You know, you look at that team breaking up in 2020, Jota and Doherty recruitment last that summer was poor, set them back a year. Nuno would leave, and then we were not happy with Bruno Large. It's that's that's three years since the start of the pandemic, really. When when that's what that's when they're at their high point when they beat Spurs away in in February or March 2020. For me, um, I know they still got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League thereafter, but it felt like the pandemic changed a lot at that football club. And yeah, off off the field. So to have Matt Hobbs in there now, given more authority, from what I understand, and certainly you know on on the same page with Julian Lopetegui on a lot of things, you've seen the fruits of that very quickly with the great January they had and the impact that certain signings have, uh, 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 have made. Mario Lamina being a perfect case in point. They both wanted him. They both got out, went out and got him, made him number one target, and um, and he's changed the dynamic of the team. Yeah, and the book stops with the manager as well, but it is what Tim says. It's cohesion. There's cohesion there now. And, you know, you feel like Wolves are in safe hands. When I'm reporting on them, I feel like Wolves are in safe hands. I'm sure Tim from the outside looking knows that Wolves are in safe hands going forward, not just the short term, but the long term future. And yes, the fans will be nervous and they'll look at the league table and they'll be nervous about you know, the next couple of games, massive games at this football club. But whether they've won or lost, I think the demeanour of of June Lopetegui in press conferences, pre and post match are always the same. And I think that's what that's what really I think is um, sets him apart. I think Bruno's already up and down. Obviously, Nuno can be a bit spiky at times, but 
Um, he's very much a constant. And I think you need that at this time when there is panic stations in and around, um, of course, with the threat of relegation, that he is he's he's he knows what he's doing, I think. And that's why, you know, I think that they're going to be fine this season. That's all very exciting. And it feels like something's brewing at Wolves, right? And yet I hear week after week, guys, I'm going to take on the role of Mikey here and start asking questions. <laughs> I hear every week about this lack of atmosphere. And yeah, against Spurs, it wasn't great when I was there. And I just wonder what you guys think as to why Molyneux appears from everything I read and a bit of what I hear to be to be quieter this season. I think there's a lot of things. I, I think it's been quiet really since COVID. I think COVID didn't help things at all. I think there was a disengagement from the fans to a certain extent. Honestly, VAR doesn't help things. It really doesn't. How much you can celebrate, when can you celebrate, it just kills the atmosphere in games. And of course, let's be honest, Wolves have been pretty poor on the pitch as well. You know, results have been results haven't been great. So I think it's a combination of a lot of those factors. And you know, whether you like it or not as well, Wolves' progression over the last few years, and yes, it has stalled to a certain extent, you've got to think there's a lot more football tourism. When I'm outside you know, South Bank or wherever I'm going to be post-match, there's a lot of fans that you would not have seen in previous years, and that's because people are selling tickets. People want to come and see Wolves that maybe, you know, five, ten years ago, and you've got your same old, you know, team that you know exactly what's going to be. It's very much a Wolverhampton core but there are people travelling nationwide, countrywide, European-wide to come and watch Wolves now because they want to see their favourite player. They want to see their favourite Portuguese player or South Korean player. And that sometimes has an effect inside the stadium because people aren't there week in, week out. So I think it's a combination of all those factors that may be why Molyneux isn't back to you know, the Pete Nuno days of Manchester United you know, being them 2-1 in the Cup. Or, or you know, There are moments, we have had moments like that, but I feel like a lot of those factors are probably a reason why it's not quite had the atmosphere of previous years. I, I think I take all that on board. I think it's just more simple. We haven't scored any goals. Like you, you can't get an atmosphere going if fans don't have anything to cheer. It took until uh, Bubakar Traore's goal against Leeds for the first goal to be scored in front of the South Bank this season. Yeah. And and that, that feels like such a, a pedantic small point, but your kind of main part where the singing is going to come from the atmosphere a lot of time is driven from there and people might not be happy with that they sit in the steeples and the billy wright stand and, and in the north bank in the stand colors but but it's true right that's that's where it's directed from we weren't getting any goals we weren't getting opportunities in there and so you know i think it is changing there is a feeling now that that if we can score goals and get goals at that certain end it will come back i'm not i'm not necessarily too worried about it, I say I take on board all of Nathan's points, but I just think that there is a certain, there is a, a part of of the the average Wolves fan in there that I don't think has gone anywhere, and it just needs to be reignited. Mm. Novelty and, wears off as well, doesn't it, Mikey? It, you, it, see it does. with, you see it with other Premier League, new Premier League teams that come up. You know, the first two years, especially the way that Wolves did it. My God, doesn't really get any better than that. That's and the noise was incredible. So there was inevitably going to be a bit of a drop off, and I guess yeah, the novelty, the novelty wears off, wears off slightly. But I think this the point I'd make, to, and and both of you look have worked around this football club for an awful long time. That and obviously Nathan speaks to the fans all the time. My view has always been in what fourteen years of covering this football club, Wolves fans are not necessarily about being entertained; they want to be excited, and I know that's a, a real small difference in it. But they, you know, the players that we've all looked at over the last decade or so, the Benicophobies, the Bakary Sacco's, the um, Diogo Jotters, the Adama Traores, these are the players that get people going. 
These are the players that excite people and get you on the edge of your seat and going forwards. That you know, that's the difference, and that's why goals, counter-attacking football, whatever it is, it will it will be there and it will reignite fans again. It's just we haven't seen that for 18 months because we tried a different style of football. And if we're honest, didn't really work out for us. That's not Wolves to me. I would never knock Bruno Large in a million years. I think he came in and he did the job he was trying to do and he tried to do it his way. Julian Lopetegui is now doing it his way. And I think his way fits into, in my view, what Wolves is to me. And you need the characters to do that as well. Sorry, go on. I think you need the character to do that as well. Sorry, Tim. But, um, you know, have you? can you see, Tim, obviously, you know, still looking out and watching as much as possible. Can you see that there's characters in that squad who can deliver that? Let's be honest. Ruben Neves, Jean Moutinho, these are the last of the you know, the dying breed of this, this incredible era that we've got that are probably going to be leaving Wolves at the end of this season. Is there enough when you look at that squad of characters, of passion, of getting bums on seats and getting fans off seats that that is there at the moment in time? Or do you need to bring in a lot more of those kind of types of players? I just, I look at that squad, my God, Neto, Pedence, Huang, Sarabia, Traore, Cunha. It's probably some more I've missed out there. Like, that's the the big challenge he's got now for the for the summer, if they stay up, is who's got that hunger to to go again? There's an awful lot of quality there, and, and it's it's how he puts them together in, in a jigsaw. Um, he's done it before in his career. They absolutely passed Wolves to death in that... Um, in that Europa League quarterfinal, they play some stunning football that day. You know, if he replicates that, but with an English twist in the Premier League, then um, then yeah, Wolves, Wolves can aim pretty high, like I said earlier. So I, I feel like the quality is there on paper. I, 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 sorry to keep bringing it back to Spurs, but that's just because it's the team I watch every week. I'd have Wolves in midfield over Spurs any any day. Lamina, Neves and, and Nunes what, as, as a trio compared to anything that Spurs can offer and and, for, and the majority of clubs in the league as well, I've got to say. So yeah, the, the quality's there. It's how he knits it all together and he discovers who's got that hunger and that desire to go again. That's his big task. I just want to finish before I let both of you go because this is probably the only time the three of us will get to to actually talk a bit like this. And I mean, I kind of feel like I'm intruding on an Express and Style podcast reunion. Oh, um, I miss you all. <laughs> it's interesting to me in terms of how the media works. For me personally, when you look back on on the changes of the last couple of years and and how things went from it being probably like the three of us and Mike Taylor to now and the journey that, that you two guys went on, right, with, with your podcast that you ended up doing a live shows on and and the videos from on tour and all that kind of stuff of of how kind of things changed really clearly changed an awful lot for Tim but from the whole perspective really no yeah I'm still I'm still here where I was before so you know some people <laughs> some people are you know national superstars now and some of us are still in the city but uh, no it's it's been unbelievable I think um, you know incredibly fortunate that when I joined Express and Star I think it was back end of when Tim Nash was there for two or three months under Kenny Jacket and then you know me and Tim got put together in Oh, it's a long time ago now, but Cork Island, I think, was our first preseason under Kenny before before Fosun took over then. And uh, it's been insane. I think, just thinking about this as well, I don't think there's a better club to have covered over the last six, seven years than Wolverhampton Wanderers in the entire football league, you know, Premier League, EFL. Just what's gone on with them is quite astonishing, really. 
in terms of squad, in terms of the fans, in terms of the journey, the promotions, European campaigns, managers. Um, there's memories there that I'm sure, you know, in 15, 20, 30, 40 years, people, of course, remember the golden era and bully and everything that, that Wolves have achieved. But this has got to be something and, and honoured to be a part of us, tiny part of it, as I'm sure Tim is as well, a part of history where people will always look back, you know, and go, God, what a time to be where, you, you know, Wolves were in Europe and they got promotion, they finished seventh with all those teams there. And, and the players and the moments we've got to witness have been incredible, really. I know those first five years of and you know, it's the best moments of my life as a journalist. And I'm sure it'll be very special to everyone, you know, you and, and Tim as well. Yeah, well said, mate. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was the job of my life. I'll never have a better job than that, ever. I, I do get often asked, why did I leave? I, you know, it was my, it was my ultimate dream job, for, for literally, <clears throat> from like five years old onwards, to be the Wolves reporter for the Express Star. So I just, but I just didn't want to do it forever because then, you know, you start to take it for granted. You become complacent. It becomes less interesting. You know, I wanted to keep it encapsulated as, as like that special, special time. So yeah, no, I do, I do really miss it. It was, it's been great to come back a couple of times recently. And um, we just, we, I mean, me and Nathan just had fun. Like we didn't, <laughs> we didn't really put much effort into it. We just sort of like uh, turned up at games or like stop just it, pressed, stop it, stop. pressed record on the microphone. And that was what was so like great about it really. And uh, yeah, the live shows and the videos and the podcasts and uh, yeah, just everything. And it's, it's nice that people, you know, remember those times fondly. And we just got incredibly lucky. I think that it coincided with this astonishing period in Wolves' history. It was a hell of a ride. It really was. 